Hey, Sparkler parents, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to continue the brain-based parenting discussion. We're still in chapter one. I wanted to highlight a couple of comments from our Facebook group. If you didn't know, I started a Facebook group by the same name, Sparkler Parents Podcast. You can request to join and I'll let you in. And then you'll be able to join the discussion about the topics we cover in each episode. So um, recently I posed the question of what are your main triggers as a parent that cause you to react versus stay in the parental state of mind, which is something that I talk about in chapter one of the book. And so some people said things like, Being in the car with your kids tends to really get them at each other's throats a lot. And I was just curious for that parent if uh, her kids get at each other's throats at other times or it's only in the car. And if so, you know, what, why does she think that that's happening? And what could we look at as maybe some environmental concerns or challenges that the kids themselves are facing that might make them more prone to have less of ability to self-regulate if they're not acting that way at other times. We know that they don't always pick on each other, but what's happening specifically in the car or during those times? Another mom mentioned that she uh, knows her main triggers are noise and being hangry. I think that's the case for a lot of us, right? Um, Some people have very particular noises that really get them triggered. Uh, Maybe it might be chewing or, um, you know, smacking your lips or something like that. Uh, It might just be loud noises, kids screaming or (laughs) the sound of my alarm going off. Uh, Perhaps for me, it might be one of my children whining. I really don't like when they're whining and I'm more apt to kind of go in that reaction mode. When my child is whining, then if they were speaking to me in a calm voice, and I think I have definitely, unfortunately, acted in a non-parental or unparental way by maybe mocking my child in the past or uh, making fun of the way that they're talking um, when they're whining as a way to maybe demotivate them from using that. Well, I don't think that that's very productive it is showing my frustration or my uh, inability to to handle that. That's definitely what it's showing. If I were to act in a more parental way, I would be able to stay in a calm voice and model what I want my child to do, um, even if it's hard. So just being aware of those things can help us out. So just being aware that you're not at your best self when you're hangry. And so get yourself a snack, keep some snacks in your purse or your backpack or whatever. Or if your child is asking for some help, just kindly say, I need to eat first and then I'll be able to help you a lot better. So taking care of our own needs first, um, really will help us take care of our kids' needs as well and and be less reactionary. The the last comment on here is that having a messy and cluttered house is is a trigger for this mom. And she mentioned that she feels it might be due to a loss of control over things um, and that if she can at least have a clean house, she feels control over that. 
So, you know, now we're looking at some bigger values. Um, and I, th I think that values can trump things that are hard for us. I mean, this particular chapter doesn't get into this so much. Um, but if something's really hard for my kids to do, like pick up their room or not leave their clothes all over the place, and I value a clean house like this mom does, um, I would want to first kind of understand from my kids' perspective what they value. Do they value also having a clean space or is it something that's not really important to them? And if we could find a shared value, um, that also equates to keeping the house neat, that then the behavior of picking up or keeping the house clean and neat will be easier for the child to achieve because we're coming from a, a place of a, a shared value or a shared purpose. So now let's go ahead and get into the end of chapter one. A couple of times throughout the chapter, they use this word called neuroception, and it may not be a word that many people have heard before. It's a term that Dr. Dan Siegel, who um, authored the foreword in this book, uh, has coined. And my understanding of it is it is the culmination of all of our senses and how all of those senses fit together in allowing us to recognize that we are safe or unsafe. If we are feeling safe in our body, in our environment, then we have the possibility to be very loving and caring. And they say that those are the things that are in this caregiving, this parenting system. We can approach our child, we can be um, use reward, we can be able to read our child, we can make meaning out of a situation. If we perceive a situation as unsafe, then we're going to be automatically into our defense or survival mode. Defense meaning fight or, um, and then flight would be getting out of there, fleeing. Or survival, like we better freeze or hide or don't say anything like a possum or a bunny rabbit in the forest. And so um, even though as parents or as children, there are definite times when we need our survival and protective mechanisms to be kicking in. Something as simple as tripping and falling, you need to be able to extend your arms to protect your face from hitting the floor. Or if you are um, touching a hot stove, you pull your hand away, you leave the situation because you don't want to burn your hand. Those are perfectly good examples of when running away from something is appropriate. Uh, when fighting might be appropriate, we want good survival skills or protection skills in case um I don't know, maybe a dog comes up and tries to attack us. Well, we need to react appropriately. But most of the time, most of our day is not requiring us to be in a fight or flight mode. And this is true for us as children and parents. And Dan Siegel and then the authors of this book, Daniel Hughes and Jonathan Balin, are saying that when we have neuroception, 
we are doing a good job of integrating all of our senses so that we can clearly decide whether or not we are safe or unsafe. So that's the end of chapter one. Leave some comments in the Facebook group and we'll continue the next episode uh, with chapter two.